big thanks to Liam. What's his last name? I'd have to look at my email. Big thanks to Liam. I'd have to look at my email. It's a weird last name. <laughs> it is a weird last name. So. This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, my name is Rob Minot, of course. Uh, joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Howdy. Mr. Steve Barkley. Yo, Adrian. <laughs> the cowbell. <laughs> nice. From the cowbell's a little weak today. I know, he, was, he, he, he did that from the bottom. That was a trick cowbell. He, uh, he snuck that one up on me. Yeah, I did. I, I had did. to respond I, quickly. I didn't have time to pull it to the forehand. Uh well, boys, here we are. Year's almost over. Yeah. Yeah, how are you guys feeling? Great. Fantastic. Are you? I'm tired. I'm, I'm terrified. I'm ready for the break. I'm watching people walking around hacking and wheezing <laughs> and snorking and Yeah. And I'm just yeah. trying to avoid getting a cold at this point. Don't go to the mall this weekend. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, are you guys um are you guys all ready for Christmas? Do you yeah, we're done. To go to the mall? We're done our shopping. Mostly. Yeah. Mostly just little bits and pieces. Yeah, I actually might do some uh today at some point. Yeah. I've got a few more things to get. But otherwise I think I'm in pretty good shape. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it feels like it's just been, you know, Christmas seems to have just, it, like, the fall just disappeared. It was just December all of a sudden. But now December, it's just like, it's just feeling like a, a bit of a slog just to get to that, mm -hmm. just to get to that break. I don't know what that's about. But, of course, it's, I think, it, part, partly for me, it's, it's, I got sick, right? I came down with that well, cold think... that you were talking about. It made my life miserable for... Well, and I think, too, everybody's been talking and, and seeing, you know, Christmas-related items since Halloween. Yeah, and, you know, that's a, a good point. A lot of us are now point. like, let's just get this over with. We're done. <laughs> you know what? That's a good point. That's a really good point, Ryan. You're right. It just, it yeah, feels like, like such months. a long season. Yeah, absolutely. So, hmm. Yep. So, anyways. We love Christmas, but can't wait for it to end. Let's move on. How, how is it the British had a parliamentary election that took less time than Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, dear. Um, all right. Well, before we get too far down any rabbit holes, hey, Ryan. Rob. Uh, what are we doing today? Today we are speaking with Liam Smith on... Bleh. See, I knew I blew it the second time. Blew it. You suck. Yeah. Today we are doing a follow-up interview with Liam Smith from Bristol Braille on the Canute 360. Aha. Mm -hmm. The Canute 360, eh? It's almost here. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Are they, uh, what do we know about their, like, is, are they, are they just about to release this, release it, or what's, what's going it's on with It's coming. Yeah? It's close. Um, so Ryan, then for people who do not know what the, the Canute 360 is, uh, what, what, what's the deal with it? The Canute 360 is a multi-line Braille e-reader, so it's nine lines of, what is it, 40 characters per line? Yep. Yeah, so 360 dots. Man, it's a lot of dots. Or 360 cells, sorry. Nine Man. lines of 40 cells. Yeah. Man. So 360 dots. Yeah, that was wrong. <laughs> That's why I'm not a mathematician. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is kind of exciting. I mean, we talked to them, what, last year? Was it last year that we talked to the guys from Canute? It has to have been last year. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, so it's been a while. So, mm -hmm. I mean, they've been, they've been continuing to develop it. And I remember when we talk, first talked to them. Well, we've been, we've been following along this for, well, since, since they, they first announced that they were in, that they were going to produce a multi-line Braille display, yeah. we've been following to see what was happening and when it was out and it's nice to see it's it's finally here yeah but first a lull 
Well, if we're going to have lulls, I think we should probably just bring them in then. <laughs> uh, well, I think we can do that. Um, Joining us now is Liam Smith from Bristol Braille. Hello. Hi, Liam. All right, so why don't we get started? All right, let's get started. Cool. So my name's Liam. Um, I work in marketing and publicity for Bristol Braille Technology. Um, and over the last sort of several years, we've been developing um, a product which has become the Commute 360. So the Canute 360 is, uh, we like to say, the world's first um, commercially available multi-line Braille e-reader. Um, and what we mean by that is it's a device which has a, uh, an electronic Braille display um, consisting of nine lines, um, each of 40 characters, which is primarily um, designed as a sort of standalone reading device as opposed to your sort of traditional braille display but i'll come a bit more onto that um later on um so as i say we've got a nine line uh, a, a nine line display um e each uh, line of 40 40 cells or 40 characters um which as you your your listeners will know um significantly expands on on the number of, uh, of cells available in a, in a traditional braille display so to the best of my knowledge um, we are the world's first commercially available um, multi-line electronic braille device. Nice. And we've only been waiting for one of those for about uh, <laughs> 30 years or so. <laughs> so why don't we talk about what are some of the differences between the Canute Braille technology and the t traditional Braille displays that we are currently using? Sure. Um, so traditional Braille displays, um, which are you know available on the market at the moment, um, without going into too many details, um, they often rely on piezoelectric um, technologies, with a few um, notable exceptions. Um, and the way in which they they work is that each individual um, dot between six and eight dots, obviously per cell, um, is actuated by an individual motor. Um, so what that means is they become exponentially more expensive very very quickly. Um, so until you know the, the cheapest sort of single line displays on the market at the moment for twenty cells, you're looking probably you know five six hundred dollars um, up to up to the thousands of dollars um, for a professional model with with twenty eight dots uh, twenty or forty eight dot cells etc. Um, the key difference with the Canute technology um, is we actually use a completely unique uh, mechanism for actuating those dots, which uses uh, essentially less motors. Um, so what that means is we can make a much bigger display um, without it becoming exponentially more expensive. Um, to use sort of traditional display technologies to uh, to, to, to make a, a display the size of the um, of the Canute, you'd be looking at um, at some in the region of maybe fifteen twenty thousand um, dollars in order in order to, to to sell that at a retail price point. Um, whereas with the Canute three hundred and sixty, um, because we've been able to um, because we've been able to, to use this new uh, new technology, we've got that down to to, to under the, the sort of three thousand dollar mark. Right now, what is the feel of the pins like compared to today's technology? So they're quite um, they're they're quite sharp. It's more more similar to sort of um, a, a signage braille um, than paper braille. They're certainly not compressible under the under the fingers. They they sort of um, more like uh, like you'd see on on a sign, as I say. Um, we've actually put an awful lot of efforts and research into into the feel of the Braille. It's something we've been working on with users over the last sort of three or four years to try and get that right. So we've gone through a number of materials. Um, and I can say, actually, the, the, the materials we're using at the moment, so we've had really, really positive feedback from, um, and especially from people in education with, with children who are starting to learn to read, um, but also older people people with reduced sensitivity because the, the the dots are that bit firmer they can't be compressed um, they are that little bit easier to read um, I might mention as well that the line spacing between the lines uh, is slightly greater than you would um, than you would find in paper braille now that sort of it's an artifact of the technology that we use um, but actually again user feedback that has been been very positive because obviously with an electronic multi-line display um, you don't have the same need to save paper as you would with a sort of interline spacing in paper braille. So it's a more spread out um, display. The feedback we've had from readers has been very positive. So since you've had prototypes out with a bunch of people, I'm sure you've come across some pretty proficient fast braille readers. What is the refresh rate like compared to traditional braille displays? 
Sure. So to refresh a whole nine lines takes just under 10 seconds. I think it's something like 9.5 seconds is to do the, the whole page. Um, now I think you've seen an earlier prototype, Ryan, um, and um, the first line, it, it refreshes line by line. So the first line refreshes, then the second line, then the third line. Um, you'd have to be a very, very quick Braille reader um, to, to, to catch up and beat the commute. So although the although the, the, the time taken to refresh all nine lines is, is just over nine seconds, a shade over nine seconds, um, really you can start reading the first line after after around the second. Okay. Yeah, I actually haven't seen one yet. You want to send me one? <laughs> You've got two on order. You might see one at season. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's all right. Steve says we have two on order. So yeah, I, I, I saw them at season. <laughs> so one of the other questions I've had from from people that are interested in the product is yeah. currently, I believe that it's it has to be plugged in. Is there plans yeah. to have an external battery pack so you know you can take it with you? Absolutely, yes. So um, that's one of the first things we'll be developing um, once we've got the, the, the first commutes out of out the doors of our workshop in the next um, in the next couple of days. Really, um, we've 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 got quite a small team. We're I don't know if your listeners know we're a not for profit company. Um, so there's only sort of ten of us working in in the office in Bristol um, and a couple of other people um, elsewhere. So it's really been a, a process of prioritising um, features which our, our, our users found the most useful. So obviously. Um, developing an external battery at the same time as we're trying to develop a multi-line rail display, um, that then becomes quite a complicated proposition. Um, as soon as we, we we are in the you know shipping out commutes in the in the next couple of days, next couple of weeks, um, the the attention of the R and D team, the research and development team, is going to shift towards um, the development of an external battery. Okay, so currently there is there an option for an external battery or no? So currently, no. It's uh, okay. it's mains powered only. Okay. Although actually we've done some we've done some testing in the office and uh, the, the commute will run um, quite happily off a off a, uh, a standard laptop power bank as well. Okay, great. Well, it looked like I'm going to hog the show, so I'm going to keep going. Keep going man. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the other one of the other things I've been wondering about is you know and we can come back around to this later if we want, but you know using the Canute as a braille display, you know, does it have or will it have at some point Wi-Fi or Bluetooth? Is it able to be used as a traditional Braille display with a screen reader? Um, so let's take your sort of second question first. Um, we don't have Wi-Fi or Bluetooth um, connectivity. The reason is at the moment we don't have a, uh, a, a six-key Perkins keyboard or a Braille input keyboard, I should say. Um, so obviously trying to type a Wi-Fi password with um, upper and lower case and all, all that and special characters using three buttons on the front and nine buttons down the side would be quite difficult. Right. Um, what we do have is a number of USB ports, um, USB-A and USB-C. Um, so it will be able to connect um, by cable to a computer. Um, so at the moment when we ship the first commutes, um, there is no screen reader support but um, we've we've just um, well we've nearly completed our first production run of 100 um, Canute 360 models, um, and one of those uh, with with very kind help from Google actually um, is going out to the guys at NB Access um, to develop a uh, an, an MVDA driver for the Canute. Um, so we're hoping actually we'll see the first prototypes um, back from those guys fairly quickly, um, and then when when we have a you know a usable driver um, for the commute with MVDA, um, we'll be shipping that out to all our existing customers um, as a free update. Um, and obviously any commutes that then people purchase will have that, um, that already installed. Um, so, and it's, you know, it's quite an interesting question because until now there, there haven't been, there hasn't been a multi-line braille display on the, um, on the market. So there's a lot of questions about how do, how do we take the braille output from a screen reader program um, and render it in a way that's sensible on the commute and also that's that's useful, you know? Um, so there's a lot of design questions to be made and it's very exciting to be, because we are, you know, the first company to release a product like this, we're, we're getting to, to to have a real say in that conversation. That's a very exciting thing to be a part of. Yeah, and I think that's really going to excite a lot more people than just a dedicated Braille e-reader. Being able to mm. use it as a multifunctional device is going to be yeah. a huge asset. Yeah. Exciting. Woo. So storage on the e-reader, is it just a yeah. traditional standard SD card or is it a mini SD card? Uh, it's just a traditional SD card, um, or you can also use a USB thumb drive. Um, and you can use you can use any size you want. Um, so 
you can you can literally fit on a, on a standard SD card, um, say a, a twelve gig SD card or whatever. You can you can fit thousands of um, of books in Braille. To give you um, to, to give you an example, sort of a Harry Potter book in in a BRF file is probably about one hundred fifty eight. Ki- 150 kilobytes sorry mm-hmm. um so so really with just an sd card or a, or a usb thumb drive you can you can store an entire braille library um that way wow you know you need an aircraft hanger sort of thing to, <laughs> to keep that number of books in hard copy yeah absolutely so there's no audio component to the e-reader is there no so not at the moment i mean this is something we've sort of um we've sort of future proofed you'll notice when you um when you receive your commutes and uh, uh, your listeners will notice when they try one or, or receive theirs that there is a 3.5 mil um audio out jack um built into the body so it's something we could add in future um as i say because we're because we're a small team um and a not-for-profit we've had to really really hone in um mm-hmm. on the areas that our customers really wanted on on, on the core technologies um, but we will be releasing um, again in the coming months uh, an open source uh, API to allow people to talk to the commute. Um, and I'm sure there's there's things your listeners can, and and others can do um, in terms of adding functionalities of their own. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm done, boys. Look at your list of questions. See what I missed. <laughs> you, you didn't miss anything. You, you hit them all. I'll have to look at my list. See if I've got all my talking points. In. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure as soon as we hang up the call, I'll come up with another five. But ah, uh, yes, it's always the way. So I, I know we've got um, we've got two units coming from this initial uh, this initial run. Um, yep. Is your next run of them going to be a bigger run than a hundred, or are you doing another run of a hundred? So we're, we're we're quite deliberately starting small um, because we're uh, this we're, we're well we're not a new company. This is the first product that we've had out on the market. Um, so there's a lot of learning for for, for us as well, um, as well as our our factory, which is in um, in Wales, just over the water from Bristol, um, another part of the UK. <clears throat> and there's there's sort of there's, there's two aspects. There's the sort of the design, or three aspects even. There's the the design, getting the design right, um, and then actually taking that design from a design we manufacture in small batches in our workshops. So we've made runs of you know five machines or ten machines before. Um, taking that to an external factory in Wales with with a, a set of instructions like a model kit, um, and saying, "Okay, make us a hundred of these," and getting that process right, um, and then there's the quality control process after that because you've got your hundred machines, but actually, uh, do, do they meet our specifications? What's been going wrong during the assembly process? Um, and that's sort of this, the stage we're at. We're at the quality control stage now um, in our first uh, production run, and the early results or the, the results going back now, they're not so much early results now. Um, are very positive. So our next batch again in uh, in, in early 2020 um, will be another smaller production run of around 100 machines, um, and then we will be ramping up and um, ramping up as we feel confident. Um, but the most important thing is obviously we, we need to deliver a, a, a product to our customers which is up to the standards they expect. Um, and until we're confident that we can do that, we're not going to be producing thousands of these of, of, of these. You know, until we're 100 percent confident that we can produce a thousand. Uh, to the same high standards as we can produce 100. Right. Just as we haven't produced 100 until we're confident we can produce them to the same standards as we can produce five. What is it that, we, I mean, why do you think it, it took so long for something like the Knut 360 to, to sort of be developed? Um, it, seems, it seems really intuitive and it seems really very important in terms of Braille literacy. Um, yeah. We've been sort of stuck in the same place in terms of electronic Braille for, mm. for many, many years. Why do you think that is? Um, so I think there's a couple of reasons. Um, as I mentioned, we use our own sort of proprietary technology, um, and the sort of the, the the basic the basic sort of idea of that's quite simple. But in terms of fine tuning it and going from um, a sort of prototype that works in a in a in a workshop on a one off to a to a finalised product, um, that's been a very very complicated process. Um, it's taken a, a long time and lots of effort. Um, and as as I mentioned, I don't think uh, the, the the sort of current existing technologies I don't think scale well to a multi line um, braille display. So you're asking essentially to develop a new technology. Right. Um, I do think there's there's certainly an element of you know um, other other companies are sort of quite comfortable in what they're doing. Um, they they've got the markets um, and what they're doing is working well for them and actually investing in something that like this is you know it's it's, it's a, a risk to take if you've got a successful business. Um, um, on, ongoing, so I think it's been a been a long time coming, um, and I think it's it's you know 
we're seeing, I don't know if you guys agree, but certainly in the UK, I think we're seeing a bit of a resurgence in Braille over the last sort of two or three years. Um, other fantastic products like the Orbit Reader coming out. Um, and I think the market really now is 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 crying out for something like this. Um, but I think as, a, as we are a not-for-profit company, we're very small um, and we've been able to sort of the development phase we've been able to do um, on quite a tight budget um, for what we've been offering. Um, I think it's taken... Um, sort of a, a, a small and newer company as well, rather than one of the sort of the established um, right. AT companies to, to sort of come out with that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I know certainly here Braille literacy is is something that's that's very important um, to the yeah. community and something that that has been a little bit of an uphill battle. Um, yeah. I think partly due to due to some of the existing technologies that you know certain people maybe think will, could replace Braille. Um, yeah. but, um, also just, you know, the, the price point for some of the electronic braille devices are just out of people's reach a lot of the time. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that was really when, um, when Ed's, uh, my, my boss, our managing director, um, started the company that, that, that second point, the, the price point was the, the, the key thing that we, that he felt was, um, was hugely important, but actually it's, you know, you can, there are companies that have sold one or two multi-line Braille displays before, um, but that might cost $10,000, $15,000, $20,000. Now, at that point, price point, it's not even um, it, it's not even something probably a, a specialized, a very well-resourced specialized school for the blinds can afford. It might be, you know, a right. university research department. So actually, um, in, in terms of reaching people who need these technologies, that hasn't really made the impact. Right. Um, I guess to take your first point about Braille literacy, um, there's quite a glib answer that we that we sometimes give to that question, um, and that's actually that using using today's technology with screen readers and sort of um, uh, text uh, speech to text inputs, right. um, you could you you could make the argument that a sighted child doesn't need to learn to to reprint. You know, they can use a they can use audio, they can use um, dictation, um, and they can complete their school schooling that way. Um, now, I don't think anyone would make that argument, which is why I find it slightly bizarre that people make that argument um, for, for blind children, because those those skills from reading, whether that be reading Braille or reading, reading prints, are just so crucial in terms of learning about structure, um, in terms of learning about spelling and grammar. Um, and, and you really don't get that sort of appreciation and layouts um, I don't think with audio, um, we're certainly not arguing that, um, that you know, Braille is going to, you know, replace audio. Both have both have their place. Um, but I think really we're seeing a, a sort of realisation uh, now, particularly over the last couple of years, um, that Braille literacy is is still as relevant or, or even, in fact, in the modern workplace, you know, more relevant than, than ever. Um, yeah. Almost all professional jobs and all professional jobs I can think of require you to be able to structure emails to um to, to, to write reports, that, that that sort of thing. And um uh, w- without a, an appreciation of the written word, whether that be through print or, or through braille, um, you know, forget learning some of those skills. That's right. If you if you loaded a braille book that had like, you know, mathematics symbols or graphs in it, will the e reader render those in such a way that you'd be able to kind of get an idea of a shape or something or a math yeah. formula or yeah so that's a, that's an interesting question um we have worked on some sort of basic tactile graphics and and, and graphing applications for for the canutes um so because we've got slightly greater line spacing um and obviously as you know when your listeners know braille dots aren't evenly spaced to get an accurate representation um of say a graph of a sine function is difficult um but what you can do is you can you can um interpret that information so we've written um little scripts that turn images and graphs into into sort of um diagrams that can be interpreted on the commute uh, automatically these are just office toys by the way they're not really things we're going to um release we've been sort of testing what we can do with this technology um and we've been using sort of um to get around that we've been using uh symbols and and, and labels um so for example you can draw a, a map of a local area um, and you can use, say, the letter A dot one for one road, letter B dot one and um, one and two for another an, another road. Um, then you'd have a, a, a key down the, the left hand side. So, okay, when you see a letter A, it's this road. When you see a letter B, it's that road. Um, you can take that into diagrams of shapes and angles and, and, and triangles and all sorts. Um, so, in terms of sort of 
one-to-one representations, um, I think you're still going to be, you're still probably going to want swell paper or something like that to draw a perfect graph of, of sine wave. Right. Um, sort of more illustrative examples of, of, of concepts, um, I think the Canute is, is, is really quite effective at. One of the it's things that, that uh, people ask <laughs> about with the, uh, with the Canute is um, mathematical formulas and, and lining up mathematical formulas. Has there been much work done on that front? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as I mentioned, the Canute at the moment is a is an e-reading device, a standalone e-reader. So it will display whatever is whatever is put into it. If you have a, a, a BRF, a Braille ready format with your uh, file with your with your equations all lined up how you'd like them, they will display um, exactly as they are in the file on the Canute. And that for us has been one of the real uh, the real sort of advantages of taking this approach at first of using pre-formatted Braille files rather than um, rather than uh, screen reader braille input like uh, like other displays um, because you can display that exactly as you'd like it so as you mentioned that's brilliant for things like um, like mathematical formulas um, but also for cases like braille music um, computer code those sort of things things where where the um, sort of the spatial information the way things are laid out really does communicate um, almost as much meaning as the as the content itself you know where it sort of is on the, on the page um that's an area where we you know we are really really uh, uh hopeful about the about the commutes um maths departments in schools maths departments in universities that sort of thing um as an aside it's actually been really encouraging um as we've been running our pre-order program the number of musicians who've who've pre-ordered um the commute and actually in terms of people who who um uh, braille music enthusiasts and people who use braille music um they really have been crying out for something like the canute for for a long time because obviously at the moment every time they want to learn a new piece or look at a new piece um you're gonna have to emboss that out onto paper um now with the canute you can take it and and, and, and read it um almost as you go um so th- those really um are the applications as much as um you know it makes a, a larger page obviously makes reading a novel easier and a much more pleasant experience um, but for information where that spatial information is is, is just so important, and that's where the commute really comes into its own. So, for those people who may not be familiar with with the commute and and the the process um, that you guys have have sort of been going through, give us an idea of just how long have have you guys been working on developing this particular product, like from you know on paper to you know right now you know being sort of right on the cusp of having this yeah. this first release um so we've been developing canute technologies since 2012 um we've gone through a number of design iterations um a, num- a couple of different technologies um so the 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 sort of the, the canutes being the shape it is now and the, the sort of the size and the look it is now um, has probably taken us about the last sort of two or three weeks. Two or, two or three weeks, two or three years, sorry, I do apologise. <laughs> I was like, wow. From <laughs> <laughs> our first sort of pre-production ideas of what this product's going to look like um, to, the, to, the, to the final thing. So I joined Bristol Braille oh, two and a half years ago. Um, and when I joined, it was about six months before we had the uh, the first prototypes of what has now become the Canute 360. Um, so when I joined, the Canute was a wooden box. It was probably, oh, I don't know, um, yeah, probably 50 centimetres one way, um, 30 centimetres the other way, and probably about sort of 10 or 12 centimetres thick. It was a big, big wooden box, very, very weighty. Um, and actually, I remember when we... Um, when we used to send prototypes out to things like CSUN or to, to, to for people to review in America um, or Canada or even even just around the UK, um, we used to actually buy um, cases that they that bands use, professional sort of musicians use to, to carry guitar amps around the world, <laughs> fit them out with foam and stick this stick the canute into into the into the case. So we've we've come down from there to obviously what is you know quite a small sleek desktop device, um, and that's really great credit to the team. Um, because as, we, as, as I mentioned, we're a very small not-for-profit company. Right. So throughout most of that development period, um, we've been reliant on sort of a, a core team of freelance, um, mostly engineers, computer engineers, uh, computer programmers, um, working, you know, three or four day weeks. So it really has been a, a, a labor of love, but we're incredibly proud of the, of the sort of journey we've, be, we've been on. And now to, to see the commutes literally coming off a production line in a big factory in Wales in the in the hundreds is just a, a really amazing feeling. And what are the dimensions and weight of the unit now? 
the weight is about uh, one, one and a half kilos. Um, so it's sort of, it's it's a, a desktop device for sure, but it's roughly comparable to sort of a high-end laptop, a MacBook Pro or that sort of thing. Um, in terms of dimensions, um, you're looking at 36 centimeters by 18 centimeters by four centimeters. Um, and that in inches would be 14 inches by seven inches by about an inch and a half. Um, so it's, you know, probably comparable to a MacBook MacBook Pro, but it's a bit smaller than a laptop, a bit thicker than a laptop, um, and about 1.5 kilos. Um, I've travelled, personally, I've travelled all around the UK with it on the train, on public transport, I don't drive. Um, and it's never presented a huge problem to me. Um, but at the same time, it's not a device, realistically, you're going to sit reading on the beach um, or right. on the bus, on the train, on the aeroplane. It's a, it's a desktop device. Can you talk to us a little bit about some, some maybe some some use case studies? Um, where, do, where do you see the the Canute really making an impact? Right, so that's, that's quite an interesting question because, um, as I say, is the, is the first the first manufacturer of a multi-line braille display, and I think certainly certainly not very likely to be the last. Um, it's really interesting to have a sort of a, 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 a stake and a say in, in sort of defining what the use cases might be for a multi-line braille display. Um, so right off the bat, I can give you just, the, just from our um, people who've pre-ordered that... Um, one of the nicest surprises for us, as I mentioned earlier, was a number of Braille musicians or Braille, uh, Braille reading musicians who've been excited about the commute and the opportunities for multi-line Braille, you know, reading a, a melody and a chord part at the same time or lyrics and chords um, at the same time. Um, also, you know, people, any sort of tabular information. So, um, so there's an awful lot of information where, as, as I mentioned earlier, the white space communicates almost as much to you as the um, the text itself. So to take an example, a bank statement, um, you know, my wages go in this day, my rent goes out that day, so I've got this much money in between to spend on beer sort of thing. Mm. Um, so we, we've, we've seen a lot of interest from from schools, obviously, um, and from from universities, um, sort of local local associations. Um, one of our uh, first pre-order customers uh, is a lady who works in the UK as a um, uh, a computer a computer programmer. She's a sort of a, an old friend of the team. Um, now, now she her job involves um, checking a lot of log files, um, which at the moment she uses um, a screen reader um, and a single line display. Um, so that workflow works for her, but obviously it's quite a frustrating way to to review a huge. Um, body of text where the context is important. So for, for cases like that, um, I think the commute's really, really, really valuable. Um, but as I say, I think schools, you know, math lessons, um, just just being able to lay out an equation, um, you know, of electronically the same way as it is, is on paper. Um, to give you an example, I don't have figures on, on hand for, for Canada or the US, um, but in the UK, um, a high school high school leaving exam um, only 8% of textbooks in science, technology, engineering, and maths subjects um, are currently published in Braille. Now, that represents an enormous barrier to, to access um, for, for students who rely on Braille to access that information. Um, now, with, with Canute 360 and something like Duxbury software, um, as long as an electronic file exists of that textbook, you can then convert it into Braille. So you can drastically increase um, the amount of content that's available and, you know, even at the other end of the spectrum, um, if you imagine a Braille reading child in a, in a sort of mainstream setting, not in a, not in a specialist school for the blind, in a, in a sort of a mainstream school, um, with the best will in the world, there's only so many Braille books that a, that a, that a school can hold. Because as we mentioned earlier, they're so bulky. I think Harry Potter takes up seven or eight volumes right. um, in, in Braille books, which, you know, even if it's transcribed and available, um, takes up an, a, a, an awful amount of space. Mm-hmm. Um, now with Bookshare, which is you know available to, to all, all all schools that have um, visually impaired children children on the, on the roll and, and a commute, um, you can potentially access you know almost almost any title that's that's available. So now a child, you know, rather than being limited to the um, to the, the 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 books that are available at their school, they can they can read what they want. If they want to read a, a book about unicorns, they can read a book about unicorns. If they want to book, read a book about whatever, um, they can read that book. So it drastically increases the amount of literature um, potentially available to, to to a younger child to hopefully engender that that sort of love of reading, which is um, just so so important. Um, so I guess yeah, the, the you know the, the the question's still open. You know we haven't 
we haven't found all of the use cases yes i'm sure um but particularly you know braille enthusiasts braille musicians um computer people into com- computer programming that sort of thing mm-hmm. um as well as sort of um in the education settings from the very earliest years the sort of advanced um advanced degree level mathematics i think it's a you know there's a there's a use case for the community in all those settings which is very exciting actually to have developed a product that's usable from like you know a four-year-old child to a 24-year-old uh, master's student in advanced mathematics that's a that's a very exciting thing to be a part of yeah i mean you know <clears throat> i mean do do we see a time when <clears throat> something like the canute if not the canute would just be able to replace an actual brailled textbook. I mean, we, we have agencies here that, you know, their only, their only job is to, to actually produce um, brailled versions of, yeah. of school books, um, yeah. which, you know, to, to great cost, I'm sure. Mm. Something like the Canute, is it possible to sort of revolutionize things to a point where maybe we wouldn't have to actually be doing that? We could just literally just, you know, have these electronic readers in place of yeah. Braille textbooks. Yeah, just email a file. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting question. I'm ob- I'm limited to, to how sort of far I can go into this, um, but we, we're certainly talking to a number of organisations in a, in a number of countries, um, particularly actually in in sort of the developing world. Interestingly enough, um, about that very concept about actually we're 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 embossing these hard copy Braille books and sending them out. Um, actually, would it not be would it not be more cost effective to use Canute's um, and digital distribution to distribute these files, particularly, you know, um, mm-hmm. into, into sort of quite remote areas? Um, I think there's sort of, there is a question, isn't there, of how far how far that approach would be ultimately desirable? Um, uh, not, to, not, to, not to talk us out of the market, but uh, I mean, if you take the example of... Um, of ebooks, ebooks are fantastic. I read, I read ebooks all the time, um, but there is still definitely a case for paper, paper books. And I wouldn't want to suggest um, that we sort of live in a world where, there, where you know, paper braille ceases to exist. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a preference thing, um, but I think absolutely for, for titles that you know, as I mentioned, those textbooks that haven't been transcribed yeah. into hard copy braille, or things that are out of print, um, or things that are more sort of um, more sort of niche. Um, and aren't available in Braille. The fact that any electronic file can be converted into a Braille format and sent to a commute remotely, absolutely, yeah, that's, you know, it, it so drastically increases the amount of titles yeah. um, that are available. I think it'd be crazy not to be very excited about that. That's right. <clears throat> I mean, I, I'm sure that you just, and Steve, you might have some insight into this, but like the process of uh, taking a, a a textbook, for example, and converting that into braille to to a braille copy for a student can take months like how long is that process yeah yeah it just depends on how complicated the book is right yeah if there's if there's diagrams and things that you've got to provide alt alt format for that can take a lot of time you know i think that i think the use case studies off the off the charts in terms of, of of stuff like textbooks for sure um, you know, I know I get into that argument all the time about, about e- e-books as well. Um, you know, some people yeah. just like to have a physical book in their hand. But I think that, you know, in this case, we're talking about, you know, I think that the pros far outweigh um, any sort of, you know, attachment to, to say, a physical, a physical book. Like the fact that you, can, you could store so much more. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm a print reader myself, um, but um, you know, I've got, I've, I, I use an iPhone. So the fact that I can go into the iBooks app and download almost any book I want at the touch of a button, without having to walk into town and go to the bookshop and right. see if they've got what I want, um, I, I read almost all my books now in in electronic format on my um, on my iPhone. So you, you're completely right. Um, I mean, to take your point about time. Obviously, um, until until screen readers become a lot more advanced, uh, screen reader braille output becomes a lot more advanced than it is at the moment. Um, you're still going to have that transcription process. Um, sure. You know, electronic transcription is still it's, things like Duxbury are very, very good, but you are still going to need someone to look over the transcription mm-hmm. um, yes. and, and, as you say, producing producing diagrams. Um, but you are taking out that step of, of, of physically embossing and producing. And if you imagine, you know, a long a long law textbook or physics textbook, for example, might take up so many volumes of of braille just the, the cost of that paper um in and of itself you know you're probably going to end up with the saving with the commute yep okay here's the million dollar question Ooh. durability and drop test 
Ah, do you know? So um, surprisingly durable. Surprisingly durable. I think it's experience on this one. Um, so I've I've firstly travelled with the commute sort of all around the country, all of, um, sort of all around Europe, really. Um, I'd say the commute on trains, on buses. I don't drive myself. Um, so it's been... It's been, should we say, it's been bashed about, um, and we we haven't had any any sort of ill effects from that. I mean, the most dramatic example is I was in I was in London um, for an event that was organised by by quite a small charity who's hired out a sort of small community venue in London. Um, so I turned up to this event. I just battled through the tube at rush hour in London, which if any of your listeners have ever um, ever tried the northern line in the middle of summer through um through the city of london it's um it's quite an experience at, at sort of eight o'clock seven o'clock eight o'clock in the morning get to this event um set up the commute on a table uh, I, I actually just finished giving a demonstration to someone um and it's one of those sort of fold-up tables but the legs hadn't locked into place properly <laughs> so the legs gave way and the commute went skidding right across the room and i thought right, I'm, I'm for it now this is my job gone this is the only commute at the time it was the only commute we had when we first had these new prototypes um picked it up dusted it off plugged it back in um and it, it worked fine um i mean obviously you know it's not we, we're not encouraging anyone to eat their sandwiches over it or spill their drinks into it um, we found even in terms of sort of um, guide dog hairs and things like that, you know, um, or, or bits of detritus, because of the way the mechanism works, um, it tends to collect quite nicely at the bottom. Um, so it is a it is a, a robust device. I'd say it's comparable in robustness to, to a laptop. Obviously, if you drop it from a great height on a, onto a hard concrete floor, you, you're going to have problems. Um, right. But certainly our testing and my my traveling around with it and swinging it into train doors and that sort of thing hasn't done it any <laughs> any harm. Well, the true test is when we get ours and we give give it to Ryan. That's right. That's right. We'll need a rugged, ruggedized case for it. Yeah, Ryan can break anything. I'll make sure we pack it in plenty of polystyrene. Don't worry. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should do. Maybe we should pack Ryan in polystyrene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we do. I should ask. We, we, we have like quite a nicely designed sort of cardboard box um, that will come delivered in, which should protect it very nicely during shipping. It's got you know various compartments for the manuals and for the uh, for the commute and for the power supply. Etc. Well, we're excited. It's uh, you know we're uh, we're just waiting for ours to come in. We'll have it out to you in the hopefully in the in the next couple of days. Obviously, shipping over Christmas is is what it is. Yeah. Um, the commutes are rolling off the production line thick and fast now. Um, it's just a, a case of going through the the quality control process. Um, and by the way, that's been quite an interesting that's been quite an interesting uh, problem to solve the the, the quality control process. Um, is the factory we're making that's a very um, very skilled team of people, um, but they have no particular experience with Braille. Right. Um, and to come up with tests to test the reliability of the Braille um, that don't require that, that don't require any baseline knowledge of Braille um, has been quite a challenge. Um, I can't go into exactly how we've solved it, but there's been some very clever use of some off-the-shelf um, desktop technology by um, by one of our uh, by one of our engineers, um, and the early results are very very promising, or the results are very very promising. Well, Liam, is there anything that you'd like to cover that we've missed? We've got the user manual available on our website, as well as a full list of distributors on on there. Sure, well, sir. What's uh, where can they find that? Um, so the the full manual is at www.bristolbraille.co.uk forward slash support, um, and there's a link there to to access the full manual. Right. If you go to www.bristolbraille.co.uk uh, forward slash pre-order, um, you can find a full list of all of our distributors for whatever market you uh, you happen to be in. Um, and you can also sign up to our mailing list um, on the website um, or on Twitter. It's at Bristol underscore Braille. Bristol, by the way, is spelt B-R-I-S-T-O-L. And uh, we will make sure we include all those links in our show notes as well. Thank you ever so much. And heck, and we'll even add in that uh, people who are listening that are in Canada, they can uh, also pre-order the Canute 360 at this place called Canadian Assistive Technology that uh, we'll be sure to include a link to in the show notes Absolutely. as well. What's the, what's, what kind of reception have you got, you know, when you've, when you've gone out and, and shown it to, uh, to different, uh, at different shows and stuff? Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, as I said, I've been working at Bristol Braille two and a half years now. Um, and I didn't have, to be honest with you, I had no real experience in the industry um, but, but before then. Um, and one of the great pleasures of my job 
is that I do get to travel out to shows around the UK and around Europe um, and demonstrate the Canute 360 to people. And I've taken, um, you know, Canutes from quite rough prototypes through to what is now um, a finished saleable product. Um, and it's just been amazing to to sort of see that 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 development. So I mean, one of the, the first things, obviously, um, is people have never seen a multi-line braille display before. Um, so even showing s- someone something very very simple uh, at a demonstration like um, a sports table or a, an example bank statement, um, it's really amazing to see how sort of people's faces almost light up when they sort of think about it and realize the possibilities for things that they're interested in that they could look in at. Um, that's really quite a quite a humbling experience to be sort of um, to, to be showing off something so so new that people haven't seen before. Um, and I guess particularly, you know, over the last sort of six months or so, the team have put an enormous amount of effort into ironing out the last bugs and you know reducing the noise and speeding up the um, the, the refresh rate and making all these sort of changes um, that you make when you're going from a prototype device um, to a finished finished product. Um, now, recently I was at a show in London, a different show to the one that I dropped the, the canoe off the table at, um, called Site City, which is a big um, site, site, site village, sorry, I apologise, which is um, the UK's, probably the UK's largest assistive technology um, show, particularly for, uh, for visual impairments. So um, there's a lot of people from a lot of different companies um, and a lot of people who, you know, have been pretty harsh critics at times, you know, have said, have, have certainly told us areas that think, you know, we should improve. And also people from other larger, more established companies who have come and seen us and said, well, you know, lovely, lovely that you got it, but, you know, we'd like to see it on, on sale. You know, you've got a, a prototype here. Um, and actually to, to, to receive feedback from those sort of people who've been, who we've met, you know, periodically every couple of months, every, every couple of years, um, and have seen this grow saying, actually, you know, what a, what a fantastic product we've now got on the table in front of us. That's a, that's a really lovely feeling. And to be, to be at this event with, as I say, we had two commutes there. Um, my colleague, Steph, she brought her personal commute, um, which is her own machine she uses at home. Um, along, so we had two commutes on the table with us, and to have queues of people queuing up to see them, and people from other companies coming and congratulating us on on being at a stage where we've got two products on the or a, a, a two versions of a product on the table in front of us it was a was a really amazing experience. Well, listen, hey, we want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your, uh, I guess it's your evening over there. Yeah, it's uh, five to five to seven now, so I'm getting a bit hungry. I've got to go. Um, oh, damn. I think this made some chicken and rice concoction with it. <laughs> so I'm going to go and have that and a glass of wine in a minute. Sounds nice. perfect. Obviously, it's going to be a big year for you guys next year. So uh, Absolutely, yeah. You know. I know it's, um, we're going to hit the ground running in January and... Um, you know, reach for the skies, getting these uh, the screen reader support, um, developing this API, seeing what the community comes up with. Um, obviously, going into larger production batches, shipping to to you know, we've concentrated very deliberate to begin with in the sort of in markets like the UK and the US and, and Canada, um, but actually to think about how we can start thinking about Asia and about India and the developing world. That's right. uh, that's that's really exciting, and I, I I really can't wait to get to get stuck in. So. Um, Happy holidays to you and your listeners. I guess I hope uh, hope we we speak to you again in twenty twenty. I'm let's sure we will. Let's uh, yeah, let's let's plan to to talk again and and touch base again in in twenty twenty and and uh, yeah, best of luck with the rollout. Sounds good to me. Okay, Liam. All right, thanks, Liam. Have no worries. Night. Thanks for having us, guys. You bet. Take care. Well, it's very very interesting. <clears throat> yeah, are you excited? I'm excited, but I think what I find really interesting is that the more and more people I talk to. You know, while I'm working on an estimate or, you know, doing tech support, I'll, you know, make small talk with most of the people I'm working with. And I'll ask them, you know, what screen reader are you using? And 90% of them are using NVDA. Yeah. And so it's interesting that, you know, sure, NVDA is free, that they're going to them first. It's going to be interesting to see how long it takes for the Dolphin, Supernova, and Jaws, and, you know, whatever else might be out there to come up with a driver if they decide to come up with a driver yeah i mean i think that because usually they license i think they license that don't they steve typically it's not just a here's a driver you know have fun with it uh well the driver is going to be very specific to the screen reader right right uh, unless there's a standard human interface driver for the device um which some braille displays are using now. Yeah, yeah. Although it doesn't, like if you want to use it with JAWS, I think you have to have a signed 
driver. Right. You've got to go through freedoms testing right. and such. Right. Um, and I think that's mostly for security reasons for their government contracts. But right. Um, yeah, NVDA doesn't have that limitation, so should be able to have something out fairly quick, I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's your impression of the appetite for for this device out there? I think a lot of people are, are kind of waiting to see, um, you know, what it looks like, how reliable sure. it is. You how know, it feels, how, how it refreshes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's a huge appetite for it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it, it, when I talk to people like, um, you know, the people who are producing books, for example. Yeah. Um, they see this as a, as a really good way to, to get stuff to kids quickly. Right. That's what um, I was thinking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, 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 it could be... I believe it'll be a smash success. In in listening to to Liam talk, I mean, and the more the more he talks, I mean, I just I I'm really excited about the product. Like, I think that it, it could really benefit a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Well, like you mentioned, you know, it, it, they're, they're kind of marketing it as an e-reader, but you know, I didn't think about you know the music braille aspect of things. The fact that you know they are going to support some braille math to a certain extent. Um, is huge as well. So it's not just going to be for recreational reading. It's so much more. No, I think that, and it really, I think that the, the more you talk, the more the more impact I, I can see in the education market. Oh, yeah. Than yeah. anything else. Um, certainly more so than, than casual, you know, the casual reader out yep. there. But, you know, what worries me a little bit is just this, this idea of, you know, Braille literacy is, has been such a, it's such an uphill battle right now for, for a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with with the the price of electronic braille, and having a a solution. Uh, you know, you're talking thousands of dollars, and uh, you know when people can sort of make do with other <clears throat> technologies and get around really using Braille on a daily basis, uh, I think that that's it's sort of what they end up doing. You know, especially, like you said, Ryan, and, and VDA is free. Mm-hmm. So why spend thousands of dollars on a, on a Braille device when uh, you can just use a screen reader for free? Uh, anything else to say about that? No, nope. exciting. Thoughts? Interesting to take a look at it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. well, we should, uh, you know, what we should do maybe when once we get our hands on them uh, is maybe we'll dedicate a little bit part of the show uh, a little a little part of one of the shows to uh playing with it and we'll we'll have to get somebody in here who can read braille that's proficiently. Right. yeah who yeah ryan that's no, not me <laughs> damn it ryan, ryan's too slow we'd be sitting here listening yep. to him the <laughs> fox, fox. <laughs> jumped <laughs> pretty much Man, all these years i thought ryan was like proficient not at all nope. no he can he can figure it out but uh, not he's, not, he's not el speedy braille reader no, not like not guess. like somebody like a barry jennings or something exactly can read with two hands and yeah some people read like you know 300 words a minute Really? Yeah. yeah. Like, there's some fast Braille readers out there. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That was one of the reasons I asked about the refresh rate, you know, because it's going to have to, well, hopefully it'll keep up with most readers. And he said it would, so. Hmm. Yeah, I think it will. I mean, mm-hmm. unless you can read, you know, 940 cell lines in under 10 seconds, mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't think the refresh rate's going to be that big an issue for yeah. using it as, a, as an e-reader. Right. You know, it, it might... You know, for somebody who was using it as a screen reader display, that that refresh rate mm-hmm. might might be a point of frustration. Um, you know, if you're using that as your primary device, right. you know, and not using audio out at the same time. But uh, um, you know, I think in I think in most instances where you would use a device like this, uh, I don't think the refresh rate's going to be that big a deal. No. Right. You no, know, especially when you when you you know weigh the, the all the positives mm-hmm. yeah. um, of, of having a you know a nine line reader. I mean, that just opens up your whole world when you're used to having a one line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know this is this is also you know the the applications that we're seeing for this outside of an e reader. The things that people mm-hmm. are really chuffed about are are things like. Um, you know, spatial information. Yeah, you know, sure. we had we had Shan write in asking about you know coding, coding and, and yeah. um, you know Python and and being able to you know have it 
spatially arranged and, and it sounds like that's coming, you know, with that, uh, that NVDA right. component. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that'll, that'll, that'll be exciting. We should underscore too, though, that this is a, a small team and they're, you know, mm -hmm. not for profit and they've been working on this for five, Three, six, yeah, five, six years. years. Wow. Like 2012. Yeah. So, uh, this is, this is a, uh, you know, pretty huge for them. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed. Hope the rollout goes well and hopefully we will get our hands on one and, and, uh, two, two and, <laughs> uh, report back to everybody. And, and we'll certainly be talking about this again in, in the new year. So, yeah. So speaking of which, this is, uh, uh I think this is like our last regular show of the year. Nope. It's oh, not regular. Well, regular show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah regular show. The, yeah. Interview we, show. Yeah. Yeah, we've got our, our, our Christmas episode coming up, of right. course, next week. But uh, yeah, this is kind of it. All right. So is that that's it? That's a wrap. <laughs> that's it. That's a wrap. It's that's not a wrap it. yet. That's a wrap. No, it's not a wrap All yet. Right. What's wrong with you? Carry on. They, I have to say, hey, Ryan, Rob, where can people find us? ATBanter.com. They can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at atbanter.com. Hey, you know what else? <laughs> what? We're on social media. Oh, I know. My Isn't that favorite. Exciting? Oh, I yeah. Know. I love the social media. We've got Facebook. We've got Twitter. We've got Twitter. LinkedIn. We've got Instagram. We've got all this social media. We do. But not Reddit. We don't have, we don't have Reddit yet. We, we, don't we should get, Reddit. maybe we should, I wonder how, what you can do to, I, I think you can just make a subreddit, can't you? I think we can just make an AT Banter subreddit. We can't even we can't even keep up with our Twitter. We're <laughs> just adding more stuff for us to do. That's right. <laughs> When's the last time we posted the Twitter other than a show? <laughs> uh, there's, uh -huh. I, there's something the other day. I actually discovered that uh, I still do have a Twitter account. Did I tell you about no, this? No, you didn't. I thought I deleted all of my uh -huh. social media, but it turns out my Twitter account is still still there interesting yeah uh -oh. I, I logged on to it the other day read about five items and then got all stressed <laughs> ran <laughs> screaming away from it <laughs> yeah i don't know they need to do something about social media can we just fix that please yeah <laughs> like not make it a toxic wasteland <laughs> somehow like you know i really who, thought they, they were going to fix the internet by making attaching real names to everything and it just made it worse. You know who has done some of the best commentary on social media and, and the the uh, consequences of social media? Who? South Park. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've been going through through South Park. I, I uh, had a conversation with somebody a while back, and they were just a huge South Park fan. And I started to go through some of it. And, you know, as rude and weird as that show is, oh, they're great. <laughs> yeah, they have some of the most cutting social yep. commentary of, of any of the shows on TV, and and they they did one on uh, they did one on Yelp, Yelp reviewers, which <laughs> yeah. was hysterical. Hmm. Um, but uh, the uh, the most recent one I've watched is one on uh, trolling, <laughs> and yes, it's it's hysterical. It's yeah. absolutely yeah. hysterical. I think I know the episodes you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it really, it is a really smart show. I think it's one of the smartest shows out there. And I think that it gets, it doesn't get enough credit um, just because, you know, it spent so much of its time, you know, being that, that controversial show <laughs> Yeah, that people like Rick, like Rick's a great example of people that just got turned off from the sort of the crass humor mm -hmm. part of it Yeah, and weren't really able to see past that to actually see what, it's saying about about social issues yeah i mean it, it's fascinating to go back and watch older episodes and watch them tackle all these old controversial um topics mm -hmm. like you know and in a way the only the only and sorry to get sorry folks for going off on a south park tangent but but the only downside to that is that <clears throat> the the shelf life of south park is very limited because a lot of it has to do with like the hot topic of the week. Right. Right. Like, I don't know if you, have you ever, did you ever watch that documentary that, that they did on South Park? Uh, it was like a, I like how, it was like an hour long documentary and it just sort of documented the week process of writing the show 
animating the show and airing the show. No. They literally do that in a week. Wow. So that's why a lot of those, those topics like are really topical. Like it's whatever is sort of going on in. Yeah. It's the hot button issue of the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or what's, you know, what celebrities like losing it or something. Yeah. You know, it's all over that. So, you know, you go, you go back and watch something from 10 years ago and they're talking about the Britney Spears meltdown. Yeah. Or something, or Miley Cyrus, or something, and it's like, yeah, in twenty years, people are gonna be like, I don't, I don't get that joke. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, so, quite possibly. Yeah. But, anyways, well, well, Ryan, Rob, what do you think? How do you want to cap it off? That's it. We're done. Okay, that's it. We're done. <laughs> see you next year. <laughs> no, we'll see you next week for the Christmas show, of course. Thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778 778- 847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.